0: Please stay right where you are because it's time for GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no compromise voice for gun owners. Stay tuned for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. And now, your host for GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, Doug and Jesse King.
1: Good morning, everybody. I am your host, Doug King, and today. Is an exciting day in org radio history. Today we are going to try and attempt a live broadcast on scene. I am here at the at at uh, on location here in Atlanta at the Pinedale Shopping Mall as we prepare for GeorgiaCarry.org's first ever Thanksgiving Day Turkey giveaway. Yes, we are. Um, going to be making a lot of people very happy here at the Pinedale Shopping Center. Uh, If you are in Atlanta and near the Pinedale Shopping Center, I would encourage you to come down and partake in the festivities. There are a crowd gathered of several hundred people at this point, uh, people getting ready to start their before Thanksgiving Day Christmas shopping, people who are getting into the festive mood for the season. I, I, I think that this is going to be a great day and a lot of fun, so if you are anywhere in the vicinity, you should head on down. Now, I know org has has been promoting this giveaway all week. Um, It was first announced after last week's show, which is why I didn't have any notice of it until now. But um, if you are a member of org, I am sure that you got the emails that came out uh, about this event. Uh, If you are not a member, you should be. And I'm going to go ahead and do the membership spiel right now because this is a good opportunity. If you're listening to us today and you wish you were getting a free turkey and you didn't know about it, the only way you're going to find out about great things like this and and upcoming giveaways, upcoming raffles, upcoming events, and the upcoming legislative session is become a member of GeorgiaCarry.org, which you can do by going to www.GeorgiaCarry.org, clicking Join Now in the upper left hand corner there. You'll find uh, all the way to sign up online. Uh, It is $20 a year, $500 for a lifetime. And it gets you access to a lot of good information, like today's giveaway, uh, like next year's upcoming raffles. And that's something I want to talk about for just a minute because uh, I have a scoop from Executive Director Jerry Henry. And he has let me know one of the more exciting tidbits that's coming up next year in the non-legislative session. Uh, but also you're going to find out information about what bills are up for consideration, what's being passed, what's being stonewalled, and what needs your support. or Who you need to email, who you need to call, what committee meetings you need to be at, and how they're shuffling them around to keep you from being where you need to be. So all of this is very exciting. You need to be a member of Um I'm looking out now at the crowd. There are people who are milling about. They They seem excited. Uh, curious but well behaved. There's a few members of the board out there. I can, I can see them talking to people and smiling and shaking hands as they're getting ready for the big giveaway. So, folks, um, one of the things that's coming up next year, and this is, this is a scoop. I'm probably being a bit premature, but you know me, when I've got new information, I like to pass it along to you guys so that you know what's going on out there in radio land. Um, one of the big promos next year is going to be a signature series of guns. What each board member is going to do is pick their favorite gun, have it engraved with their signature, and it will be raffled off one month throughout the year. So you could own a genuine Dean Malice gun with his name on it. Or, you know, if if you were a little less lucky, you might get stuck with a John Monroe or a or a uh, Jerry Henry. But there, there are going to be one from every board member and their fine fabulous perfect picks i'm kind of hoping that one of them will pick a 50 bmg because you know it's just awesome anyway uh that is an upcoming raffle and and the raffles do very well for georgiacarry.org there's a lot of participation a lot of people enjoy being a part of the raffle and getting a genuine gco gun uh, as part of the raffle, and it helps to support org not only in its lobbying efforts, but also in its charitable efforts, which is something that I think gets overlooked about org so often, is that it is not just a, a lobbying organization. It's not just like you know, the, the NRA or, or, uh, one of these special interest groups, but it is actually a registered 501c3 charity, which means that if you give money to GeorgiaCarry.org, it's tax deductible. There's things that you can do. Now, I'm not a CPA and I don't give tax advice. I say that over and over again, but there are things you, you can do to, uh, help out the cause that also helps out your community, like, like today's giveaway, giving away, Free turkeys here at the Pinehurst Mall. So, I mean, there's lots of good opportunities to get involved, to volunteer. Uh, you can join up if you don't want to join online and you can't make it down here to the shopping center today. Then, you know, go to any gun show. You'll find GeorgiaCarry.org volunteers staffing a booth ready for people to to sign up. Again, $20 a year. You'll find georgiacarry members at the uh, local chapter meetings. Which are a great opportunity to get some good food and some good friendship and and meet some nice people and have a just a good time with each other and do something that a little bit you know maybe outside the ordinary. Be able to sit down and talk with people who are interested in firearms, firearms legislation, and just doing the right thing by each other. And and that's a good opportunity. I would encourage you to get out to a local chapter meeting go ahead and sign up. And the annual convention, I know we just had the convention in August, but we're up to December and planning is going on right now for next year's convention. Lining up keynote speakers, getting all of the events lined up. I know that my son shot the Airsoft Zombie Challenge and got some tickets and threw it in trying to win a knife. I mean, every the whole family can enjoy the convention. There's lots of good opportunities and things going on. So GeorgiaCarry.org is a great organization, a charitable organization, a good place for you to join and and to get to have some say in what's going on in our legislature, I know that uh, I'm hoping to get some interviews from board members here at the event today. Uh, maybe get some statements from people who who get a free turkey. We'll we'll see what we can do as as things get kicked off here. I'm I see a lot of, of milling about, um, trying to relay the scene as I see it for you folks. Uh, it doesn't look like it's. I mean, we're supposed to start. We're supposed to start any minute now, so as soon as something begins to happen, I will let you know. Uh, Until then, uh, other things that we need to talk about this week um, is, no, Um, we, we want to discuss suppressors and the Class 3 debate, what's going on now with Trump's transition team and some of the exciting things that we're seeing there, but is, no, it looks like, the crowd is starting to gather in the parking lot, but, um, yeah, Trump's transition team, we've had some exciting picks this week. We've seen some things that come up, uh, especially Second Amendment related, and that's very exciting. I, I hope that that is something that we can uh, delve into. If we have time today, if not, we will catch it next week. I know that we're we're getting further and further into a fast-moving news story, so I don't want to wait... Too long for it, but um, hopefully we'll have a little bit of time towards the end of this show to talk about um, taking suppressors off the Class Three registry. I'm, you know, I'm here with with hundreds of people who are gathered right now to witness what has been described as perhaps the greatest turkey event in Thanksgiving Day history. All we know for sure is that in a few moments, there are going to be a lot of very happy people out here. Now, the crowd is is curious but well-behaved, as we would hope most Atlantans are. We don't see too many protests. Uh, There's a few anti-Trump protesters out there in the middle of the night, but on a beautiful, sunny Saturday morning like this, where there's just a little smoke in the air, I think that most of the people here are are good, law-abiding, well-behaved citizens, most of which may even have carry permits. You know, in a a crowd this size, there's probably a good 10 or 15 people who are carrying and helping safeguard the lives of themselves and others. Um, And I, 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 I can, I can see something in the distance. I, I see it now. Is it, it's, uh, yes, it's, it's a helicopter. And I, I think it's coming this way. The, the crowd is moving out to the parking area. Yes. Yes, it is a helicopter. And it's trailing something behind it. I, I can't quite make it out. It's, it's a large banner. And it says Happy Thanksgiving from Georgia Carrie dot, dot org yes happy thanksgiving from georgiacary.org what a sight ladies and gentlemen what a sight the copter seems to be circling the parking area now I, I guess it's looking for a place to land um no no there is something coming out of the back of the helicopter it's a dark object perhaps a skydiver plummeting to the earth from only 2,000 feet in the air There's a third. No parachutes yet. Those can't be skydivers. I just can't tell what they are, but oh my god. They're turkeys. Oh no, Johnny, are you getting this? Oh, they're crashing to the earth right in front of our eyes. One just went through the windshield of a parked car. This is terrible. Everyone is running, pushing each other. Oh my goodness. Oh, the humanity. People are running about. The turkeys are hitting the ground like sacks of wet cement. Folks, I, I, I don't know how much longer the crowd is running for their lives. I'm going to step... I, I can't go in there. I can't watch this anymore. Children are searching for their mothers. Not since the Hindenburg tragedy. Has there been anything like this? I don't know. Cut to commercial. Cut Cut to commercial.
0: back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King.
1: Welcome back, folks. So it is my, my duty to inform you that the Pinehurst Mall has just been bombed by live turkeys. Um, we'll have more information as it develops. We are safely away from the scene of the tragedy. And we'll uh, update you as we have more information. Uh, I'm, I'm going to turn the focus of the show. We're obviously not going to be having any interviews from the, the rabid crowd that was trying to turn over the news van a few minutes ago. But um, I'm going to turn the tenor of the show to looking at Donald Trump's transition team and the possibility of some major renovations to a arcane and insane law that was passed in 1934 which banned the use of firearms that were was completely arbitrary and ineffectual. I am of course talking about the 1934 National Firearms Act. Now, as an attorney and someone who has pioneered in Georgia at least the use of trusts to purchase class 3 weapons, I have made Uh, a decent amount of money over the years selling trust to people so that they could purchase suppressors and short-barrel rifles and short-barrel shotguns and machine guns in a uh, easy and more concise way than is what's required for an individual to make such a purchase. Uh, Up until recently, the NFA required any person who was buying a suppressor or a short-barrel rifle or short-barrel shotgun to get a sign-off from their chief law enforcement officer and undergo an extensive fingerprinting process as well as a six to twelve month review of their application to buy the firearm. Also suppressors which are not firearms at all, are registered as firearms and treated like a gun and which is is just downright crazy. i mean this is this is the height of insanity on many levels. So what makes something a short barreled rifle or a short barrel shotgun? Well, quite simply, barrel length. The ATF defined a short barrel rifle as a firearm designed to be fired from the shoulder that had a barrel length of less than 16 inches, a short barrel shotgun being a smoothbore um, firearm designed to be fired from the shoulder with a barrel length of less than 18 inches. So there's your gold standard on how long the barrel has to be. Now, the the playing in the margins on all this has come down to... Um, what constitutes a firearm being able or being designed to be fired from the shoulder? So, in a landmark case, the Thompson Center Corporation sued saying that their firearm was convertible. It could be have a short barrel with a pistol grip where it was not designed to be fired from the shoulder, and it could have a longer barrel with a Uh, rifle stock where it was designed to be fired from the shoulder and the same receiver could perform both functions and the ATF said that it was if it could ever be a short barreled rifle and the configuration was able to be configured that way then it would have to be registered and Thompson Center argued and won that case and ever since that Supreme Court case there's been a lot of ambiguity on how are we going to define what is a short barrel rifle or what is a short barrel shotgun so what We have now is a plethora of oddities in the firearms world. Um, We have people who are building AR-15s, which are rifles. I mean, anyone can look at an AR-15 and understand that it is a rifle, but not putting a stock on it and calling it a pistol with a 10-inch barrel. Um, Is it able to be wielded concisely or, or effectively in that configuration? Not terribly. But it avoids a $200 tax stamp. And so people do that. And then, then there was the genius move by Sig Sauer where they invented a arm brace. The thing is just a stock, okay? But it has some Velcro on it to strap it onto your forearm. And because it's not designed to be fired from the shoulder, it's designed to be fired from the forearm, it's not a rifle, it's a pistol. Shoot, I own a, a um, Henry mare's leg lever-action rifle. What is it? Well, it's a rifle with a shorter than 16-inch barrel and a stock that's cut down so short that it would be awkward to put it up to your shoulder to use it as a rifle. So therefore, it's not a rifle, it's a pistol, and it doesn't need a tax stamp. All of these weird legal gymnastics that the gun industry has gone through to get around this law have taken place and are being okayed by ATF. And it leads you to the opinion, well, why are we doing this at all? What is the point of this kind of legal gymnastics? What is the point of this kind of insane maneuvering to get us to the point where we can have what we want in a firearm? Is a firearm that has a 10-inch barrel inherently more dangerous than a firearm that has a 16-inch barrel? The truth is it's actually less dangerous because the shorter the sight radius you have between your rear sight and your front sight, The less accurate you're going to be with it. The shorter the barrel, the less velocity you're going to get out of your cartridge. In fact, one of the biggest problems with short-barreled AR-15s is the muzzle blast, because the cartridge is designed to be going down a 20-inch barrel, which was then cut down to a 16-inch barrel, which is now cut down to a 10-inch barrel. So you're only using half of the powder in that cartridge that is supposed to be being used up the entire length of a barrel to give more energy to the bullet, and you're losing a lot of velocity. And I'm sure everyone who listens to the show knows that energy is mass times velocity squared. So as you cut velocity down, you lose energy exponentially compared to losing mass, losing energy proportionately. So a short-barreled rifle is less accurate... Because you're less accurate with it, it is less powerful than a longer counterpart and much more heavily regulated. And that makes absolutely no sense. The other side of it is that a short barrel rifle can be in a pistol caliber. And in a pistol caliber, you're getting the same amount of oomph from a much smaller handgun that is much more easily concealed, but you're putting it into a platform where you can be more stable with it. That's the only advantage to it is stability, especially as long as you don't have full auto fire. In full auto fire, handguns become completely unwieldy. But in semi-auto fire, which is really what you want in almost all situations anyway, then you're not gaining anything that you could have over a much more concealable handgun. And we allow handguns to be purchased without having to go through any of these drastic steps for for procuring them. So it can't be about concealability because a uh, pistol-caliber short-barrel rifle is not anywhere near as concealable as a pistol-caliber handgun. It can't be about lethality because a a short-barreled rifle in a standard caliber is much less powerful than the same caliber in a longer barrel. So there is no logical reason for us to be regulating short-barrel rifles more stringently than we do handguns or long guns. They are there is nothing different about them. And yet we do. We we make a person not only have to register it with the National Firearms Registry, which is is a a, a cardinal sin in my book, but also we make them pay a $200 tax stamp. And this is one of my biggest beefs with this entire scheme is the tax stamp, okay? Because as much as I loathe the idea of my guns being registered and loathe the idea of having to fill out the extra paper work, and really loathe the idea of making a purchase and then being told by the government, you have to wait 6 to 12 months while we figure out, even though you've purchased many in the past, whether or not we're going to allow you to purchase this one. I mean, what if buying a car was like that? What if it when you decided I want to buy a new car, you went down to the dealership, you picked out a nice brand new 2016 Dodge Challenger, you put the money down, they said it's yours, you filled out the paperwork, and then they turned around and said, Okay, well we're gonna send this into the government and in six to twelve months we'll get back to you and you can come pick it up. Nobody would stand for that. Nobody would put up with that. They would look at this and say that that's utterly and patently ridiculous we're not going to ever allow the government to tell us we can't purchase something for a half a year to a year just while they try to figure out if we can own it when we've already owned one in the past i mean it's not like you've never bought a car before you're in there you're trading in your your old you know toyota yaris for a brand new challenger you've been driving for 40 years it's not a big deal but and because you're purchasing a, a high capacity or high powered car they're going to make you wait 6 to 12 months to see if you're eligible <coughs> to have this thing. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And the way that the National Firearms Act has been applied is absolutely ridiculous. And I've been saying this for so long. And that's one of the reasons that so many people <coughs> have tried. <coughs> Sorry, folks. The smoke from those North Georgia mountains are getting in my eyes. So many people have tried to figure out ways to comply with the law in such a way that they can actually get what they want. And, and the trusts and the other methods that people have been using, which has driven ATF nuts, are not attempts to skirt the law. They're attempts to comply with the law while still being reasonable. The problem is that this law was never intended to be reasonable. Uh, I'm coming up on a commercial break, and uh, I've just been handed a note let me see what this says here. It is from Georgia Carey's executive director, Jerry Henry, regarding the giveaway. Um, the official statement from Jerry Henry is, As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. Okay, folks, we'll be back in just a minute. Thank you. Wow.
0: Now, back to Georgiacarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Um, so uh, when we took the commercial break, uh, I was discussing a little bit about the National Firearms Act of 1934. And, okay, so the 34 National Firearms Act. We, we look at this thing and say, huh. Why on earth was such a thing passed? And the truth was is that it was a response to gang violence in Chicago because we all know the, how Chicago influences the nation for the better. Everything that comes out of there just seems to bring us hope and change and everyone is so much more wonderful after it than than before. So the Chicago gangland violence led to the passage of the National Firearms Act in order to combat people owning firearms that were not appreciated by law enforcement. And there was quite an arms race going on in the 30s between law enforcement and criminals. Um, Law enforcement had developed rudimentary body armor. Criminals uh, were using it as well. There were uh, pushes and pulls to try to find ways to, to combat that. Generally, the theory became smaller, faster bullets were better at penetrating the armor of the time or the protective gear. I guess it wasn't really body armor. Um, Then uh, were smaller, heavier or larger, heavier bullets, even though that fought against the convention on stopping power. You know that this entire period was laced between the the philippine war where 38 special or 38 smith and Western short was deemed to be ineffective as as a combat round and then the development of 45 ACP which carried the day through world war 1 but then as we get into the the 20s and 30s that it is relatively easy to be stopped by the body armor of the time so colt starts to try to develop a 30 caliber or 38 caliber um Bullet that can be fired from its venerable 1911 pat- platform that can penetrate the body armor. Smith and Wesson goes to the revolvers, takes and lengthens its 38 Special to make it a 38 Magnum, or more ap- ap- appropriately named a 357 Magnum because 38 bullets are actually 357 diameter, not 38 diameter, and which is a holdover from black powder days. So anyway, th- that's way too far afield for most of us. Uh, what we care about, but the the National Firearms Act was enacted in this kind of a an atmosphere where people were afraid of what the gangs were doing, and the idea of machine guns and concealable rifle, short barrel rifle, sh- shotguns that were were uh, trench brooms made to sweep out the enemy and and spray devastation out of a shorter barrel. Um, and suppressors that would make guns absolutely silent and you'd have no idea that your neighbor was just hit by the mob were were played up in movies and in comic books and J. Edgar Hoover led his own sort of personal vendetta here. And then Congress acted and passed this bill and gave ATF sweeping jurisdiction to regulate these things. Now, ATF at the time was not part of the Justice Department and wasn't under Hoover's control. ATF wasn't part of the Treasury Department. And so the way Congress regulated these firearms was to apply a tax to them. Now the tax is the same today as it was back then and you think about it okay so $200 all right well i'm going to buy myself a really nice ar and put a suppressor on it the suppressor is going to run me 800 to 1000 bucks a great ar is going to be around eh, 1200 1500 so you're looking at a $2500 investment another 200 bucks on top of that makes it 2700 the 200 bucks is less than 10% it's not a big deal but let's look at it in the time that it was passed. Because this, this tax has not kept up in, with inflation. It's a lot like the minimum wage. You know, our money changes value, but the minimum wage doesn't, and people keep earning the same amount of money, even though the purchasing power is vastly de- decreased. Well, we're paying this, this tax stamp, this class three tax stamp, Money with money that's greatly devalued from what it was in 1934. In 1934, uh, gold was trading at $40 an ounce-ish. I might be a little off, but let's let's use round numbers, and we'll be pretty close. So $40 an ounce. All right, so how many ounces of gold does it take to pay $200? Well, five. Okay. Gold today is trading at about $1,500 an ounce. What's 15 times five? Well, 15 times two is 30. 30 times two is... Um, 60 plus, f- yeah, two is 30, four 60 plus 15 would be 40, $7,500. So imagine if you went to purchase a gun today, you're going to buy your nice AR. Okay. So there's two grand and you're going to buy a nice suppressor, another five, six, $700. So it's 2,500, like we said, and then throw 7,500 on top of that for tax. Oh, and you wanted a short barrel rifle so the suppressor doesn't stick out three feet? Let's add another $7,500 on top of that. So now we've got a grand total of $17,000 going into this rifle, with only 2,000 of it being gun, 15,000 of it being tax. That's what they passed. Back in 1934, that's what they passed. They passed a tax that was so high that it was worth about 10 to 15 times the value of the gun that you were trying to put a suppressor on or make the gun short-barreled. It wasn't a tax. It was the power of the purse to destroy. And Congress knew it, and the Supreme Court knew it. And you thought, well, the Supreme Court's not going to stand for this because we have a constitutional right an absolute constitutional right to own, keep, and bear arms. And if Congress can pass a law where they can charge a $200 tax stamp on a $30 item, then we don't have a constitutional right at all. And everyone knew that this thing was going to die. The problem was that... When it was first challenged, the appeal came from the government against two indigents who mounted no no argument. They didn't show up for court in the Supreme Court of the United States. And so only the Justice Department argued, and the Supreme Court said, eh, whatever, fine. And we have been under the boot of this illegal law for almost a century now i mean it it, another 15 years and we'll be up to the one century mark of this abhorrent evil unconstitutional awful law that's arbitrary and does no good for anybody for any reason and is is just sickening okay so in light of all that let's think about suppressors for a minute suppressors do an awful lot of good right For one, they allow you to sneak up and shoot your neighbor with no one in the next room knowing that a gun went off because the gun is absolutely silent. And if you believe that, I have some oceanfront property in Arizona for you that I will sell you at a deep, deep discount. If you've never shot a suppressed firearm, it's not silent. It's not even close. It takes the crack off of it, and that's about it. It, it, is, it is like a good policeman in downtown Atlanta just taking the crack off of the streets, and that's all. You still know it's there, but at least you don't hear it quite so bad. It doesn't hurt your ears. The noise reduction is, is minimal, and that's, that's the truth of it. Now, there, I have fired a, a rifle. It was designed to be fired from the shoulder, so it was a rifle. That was actually silent. I mean, I'm talking that this thing was so quiet that I could hear the bullet hit the berm, and I could hear the firing pin hit the primer. I could hear the click, whomp, click, wump, click, wump from each shot. So it is possible to have a suppressor that gets things that quiet. Now, let's put this in perspective, okay? So I've got in my hands, to do this, I have a rifle. The rifle has a barrel that's about 24 inches long. So that's a long-barreled rifle. And it is firing 45 ACP, like out of a 1911. So I've got this giant rifle that's shooting 1911-style magazines with 45 ACP. The rifle is entirely suppressor. There's about one and a half inches of barrel and then 23 inches of suppressor. The suppressor is as big around as my forearm it's not really something that you could tote around. It was designed to be a tool in World War II for the Office of Strategic Services for assassinations in close range. It was not terribly effective. I think it was called a LaSalle rifle. It was not terribly effective because it was too big for doing close-up work for an assassination. It was too bulky to hide. And although it was silent, you, you know what? You don't really need silence to be able to pull that sort of a mission off because you're not going to be in a situation where just a slight noise will make much of a difference. So what do suppressors really do? Well, they cut the noise level down from being jet airplane to being running vacuum cleaner. Uh, the analogy I used to give a decade ago when people understood this analogy was, imagine taking a phone book from a large metropolitan area and dropping it from shoulder height down onto a concrete floor. You get a thwack noise. Well, you know what? That's what a suppressor turns the rifle report into—that loud thwack noise. If you're in the next room, do you know what happened? Absolutely. If you're standing next to it, do you need hearing protection? No, you don't. And that's the goal. The goal is just to be able to be able to shoot, to go out and be able to shoot without having to to wear bulky hearing protection that either messes up your ability to shoulder a rifle or impedes your ability to hear range commands that that's what we're really worried about here is being able to hear what's going on around you now just a couple years ago georgia passed a law allowing hunting with suppressors i have never understood what was wrong with legislators that banned hunting with suppressors let's think about what you do when you go hunting and i don't care whether you're hunting hunting wabits or if you're hunting t-rex it doesn't really matter you're going to be out there walking through the woods, listening for things that are around you, right? You go to a deer stand and you climb up and you'd be really silent and you listen for the deer. I mean, the old jokes are the, there. there's a herd of deer coming. It turned out to be a squirrel. You know, you get buck fever that sits in and you hear things that sound a lot bigger than they are. I mean, my, my cats sound like a herd of elephants running through the house. But you, you want to be listening and being attentive with your hearing to what's going on. And then you see it. You see a big buck walk out in front of your deer stand. And when you very carefully shoulder your rifle, aim real slowly so he doesn't see the motion trying not to move hardly anything at all, and bam, you just lost 3% of your hearing. Congratulations, because you don't have time to put on headphones because he'll walk out of your range of vision again. You don't have the ability to wear headphones the whole time you're hunting because you won't be able to hear the deer walking around. And so you just injured your hearing for no good reason where a suppressor on the end of your rifle would have took care of that for you. And then you wouldn't have had to worry about hearing protection because the rifle would have took care of itself. The other thing is, I like to go shoot off my back porch. It's fun. I put a rolling target out there. I go out there with with a rifle or a handgun. (coughs) I go out there in the smoke that's prevailing the North Georgia mountains right now, and I take a couple of shots at this and that and watch the rolling target roll, watch the spinner move, and go back into my house. Now, my neighbors don't get any notice or warning that I'm doing that. Why should they have to listen to my loud cracks when I could put a suppressor on and everyone could be happy? Folks, I'm at a commercial break. I will be right back.
0: Now, back to georgiacary.org radio with Doug and Jesse King.
1: So welcome back, everybody. So we've been talking about suppressors. We've been talking about short barrel rifles, the NFA registry. um, And what I am hoping, sincerely hoping, will put me out of business as a trust writer for NFA items. Because uh, I don't know if any of you heard this yet. It's not being majorly reported. But Donald Trump won the election. Uh, by a a strong majority of states, and it looks like President pro-gun Trump is going to be doing some substantial deregulation regarding firearm suppressors. All right, this story comes from Breitbart, and I know Breitbart doesn't seem to have any kind of in with the administration. It's not like their head guy was just appointed to be the advisor to Trump or anything, but Breitbart is saying that uh, the use of suppressors is legal in 42 states, so there's only eight states that don't allow suppressors like Minnesota and all my friends listening in Minnesota, you need to fix this this year. um, And certainly provide protection to the environment and, and the human ear. Uh, the path to acquiring suppressors is circuitous 1938 firearms control act. Uh, the, the, the waiting period from six months to a year. So here's what Breitbart says under president Trump, this can change. Donald Trump Jr. made his clear during a September 26th interview with Silencer Co. in which he said, and I'm going to quote Donald Trump Jr. This isn't the president, this is his son. I've had the privilege of being able to hunt in Europe where some of the strictest guns laws in the world exist. And guess what? Virtually every hunting gun there is suppressed. It's about safety. If you have to kind of noise levels in any industry like you do in shooting sports... OSHA would be going crazy. It's about safety. Uh, Don Jr. went on to describe regulations surrounding suppressors as, quote, just another rule the government wants to put in place for no reason, unquote. He added, quote, if Europe can do it, America better well be able to do it too. Now, the interesting part is that Josh Waldron um, is Silencer Company's CEO, and he's been pushing for changes, obviously, for years, and... Um, He was one of the people who helped um, Representative Matt Salmon, uh, Republican of Arizona's 5th District, um, draft the Hearing Protection Act last year, which went nowhere, unfortunately, but would have taken suppressors off the NFA registry. And I think that this is is time. We're at a point where we can see this happening happening because we have a president who believes in deregulation remember one of trump's promises was for every regulation passed he wanted to taken off the books well here's one that is ripe for taking off the books let's get rid of suppressors and i would argue short barrel rifles because it is just it is even more arbitrary what we do to get around the short barrel rifle thing um, the suppressors you know if it reduces the volume of the firearm then it's a suppressor and people pay the stamp a short barrel rifle if it 's shorter than sixteen inches, people call it a pistol and get around it so i'm i 'm sorry folks i mean this this is a rule that makes absolutely no sense the s b r makes less sense than the suppressors, and the suppressor rule makes no sense at all and Here we have a president who is appointing good people to be his advisors regarding firearms and who is conceivably able to throw some weight behind things like the hearing protection act when his own son realizes what a, a, a ball of malarkey this is maybe this is something that that will actually happen now i have to caution everybody and and this is a big caveat right we as conservatives we as libertarians we as gun people we as christians we as believers in freedom and liberty all over need to take a step back and be sure that we don't start to go down the the path of the Obama phone no not the bananagram the Obama phone and here's here's the problem okay when Obama got elected everyone's in a certain community of I, I, I I want to say free stuff, but let's say free thinking, free thinking individuals, they're thinking about their free stuff, started to clamor and yammer and and go on and on about the free stuff President Obama was going to give them. I want my kitchen refinished. You remember that woman? I want my Obama phone. I want my this. President Obama's going to give me that. President Obama's going to give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. And As lovers of liberty and lovers of freedom, we can't go down the, oh, President Trump, he's going to gimme, 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 gimme either, even if what we're asking to be gimmeed are our rights back, right? So I I will caution you to not set your hopes too high, to not get to that point where you think that President Trump is going to give you everything you ever wanted for Christmas next year. And when we come back next week, we're going to talk about what I want for Christmas. The next week's episode is going to be the one-hour Doug's Christmas wish list while we talk about everything that's going up for sale uh, and on sale for this holiday season. And it is it is a big deal because this year has had some dramatic changes, and I can't wait to talk through why you should be buying what you're buying. Consider it the investment hour for Georgia Carey members. But <clears throat> regardless, uh, we need to be circumspect. With this president, because he is not ideologically driven. He is pragmatically driven. One of his pragmatic ideas is reducing the size of government. This is government overreach. This the, the way the 1934 National Firearms Act is being used is government overreach. And I think that with a little bit of careful prodding, the exact kind of careful prodding that Georgia Kerry does so well in our legislature that Congress could be moved to introduce the right kind of legislation to remove suppressors and hopefully short-barrel rifles and shotguns from the registry if the registry was then consolidated down to just being machine guns. Now, why am I willing to throw machine guns under the bus? Right? I'm sure a lot of you are thinking, well, Doug, come on. You're supposed to be for freedom and, and guns, and here you are throwing machine guns under the bus. Why aren't you willing to fight for machine guns along with the other? And the truth is, you want to know the real truth on why machine guns aren't coming off the registry? It's because of the NRA. Now, I'm not saying anything negative about the NRA, but there are a lot of really rich and important people in the NRA who have made huge investments in machine guns. Since machine guns, because of the Hughes Amendment, the 1986 Firearms Owners Protection Act, FOPA, um, said that no new machine guns could be built after 1986, all machine guns suddenly became scarce like Beanie Babies, and their value went through the roof. And there are people who have invested hundreds of thousands of dollars in machine guns on the premise that their value can only go up because they are a, there's a scarcity issue. If machine guns were able to be manufactured again, even if they were still had to be on the registry, we're not even talking about the registry. We're just talking about manufacturing machine guns. If they became manufacturable again, the value of that Thompson would drop from being $25,000 to being $1,200. The value of your M16 would drop from being um, $10,000 to being... And the people who had the money to invest in these machine guns and these quantities in this way have absolutely no interest in their, their investments being devalued by 95%. So no one will push for it, and there are a lot of people pushing against it, and there's not enough umph because the, the masses are trained to think of machine guns as being evil. Only bad guys use machine guns. So that mentality coupled with no push from the gun community equals no movement on machine guns as far as I can see for the rest of our lives. But suppressors and short barrels don't have that kind of scarcity issue because they're being manufactured right now. And manufacturers know that if they could get more people willing to buy them by not having to go through the onerous 12-month waiting period, again, the car example, that they would sell more product. And so by selling more product, they have an incentive to move this. So there's industry pressure. There's end-user pressure. There's a president who's willing to do it. And now we just have to get a Republican Congress that has been sitting around with its fingers up its rear end for way too long to move and pass some legislation. We've got two years, folks. We only have two years. In two years, there'll be another election, and we always lose in the midterm. So this is our time. This is our two-year time to get things pushed through, and we need to be standing on Johnny Isaacson's neck. We need to be standing on the necks of Barry Loudermilk and whoever your state or your federal rep is and saying, no, now, now we get this done, now. And I will bug you every day until it gets done. I'm going to start a letter-writing campaign to all of the state or to the uh, members of the House from our state that we need suppressor reform and short-barrel rifle reform, and we need it this year. And I would hope that you would join in with me. Folks, we are out of time. I will see you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.
0: This has been GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no compromise voice for gun owners. Tune in each week for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, Saturday mornings at 8 on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town.